And to every last citizen, Eustace had replied, You can. But I'm getting ahead of my story here. Eustace Conway was born in South Carolina in 1961. The Conways lived in a comfortable suburban home in a new neighborhood full of the same, but there was a fine patch of wood standing right behind their house that had not yet been cleared for development. It was, in fact, a wild, undisturbed, first-growth forest without so much as a trail cut through it. It was an old-world forest, still filled with quicksand and bears. And it was here that Eustace Conway's father, whose name was also Eustace Conway and who knew everything, used to take his young son to teach him how to identify the plants, birds, and mammals of the American South. They would wander together in those woods for hours, looking up into the trees and discussing the shapes of the leaves. So these are Eustace Conway's first memories. The cosmic scope of the woods, the stipple of sunlight slanting through a verdant natural awning, the enlightening voice of the father, the loveliness of the words locust, birch, and tulip poplar. The new intellectual pleasure of study enhanced by the distinct physical sensation of his wobbly toddler's head tilting so far back that he might have toppled over from the effort of looking up so hard at so many trees for such a long time. As for the rest, and over the years, it was his mother who taught Eustace. She taught him how to camp, bait a hook, build a fire, handle wildlife, weave grasses into rope, and find clay in river bottoms. She taught him how to read books with wonderful titles like Davy Crockett, Young Adventurer, and Wildwood Wisdom. She taught him to sew buckskin. She taught him how to execute every task with ardent perfection. Eustace Conway's mother was gutsier than the average mom in the American South in the early 1960s. She'd been raised like a boy at a summer camp that her family had owned in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. She was an unrepentant tomboy, a proficient horseback rider, and a capable woodsman who, at the age of 22, had sold her silver flute for passage to Alaska, where she lived in a tent by a river with her gun and her dog. By the time Eustace was five years old, the forest behind his house had been leveled by the real estate market, but the family soon moved to a four-bedroom home in another suburban development. It was in Gastonia, North Carolina, and had its own dense forest standing behind it. Mrs. Conway let Eustace and his young siblings have the run of the woods from the time they could walk, barefoot and shirtless and without supervision, from sun-up to sundown, every moment of their childhood, except for those few interruptions for mandatory schooling and church-going, because it wasn't as though she were raising savages. "'I suppose I was a bad mother,' Mrs. Conway says today, not very convincingly. The other mothers of Gastonia naturally were horrified by this child-rearing technique, such as it was. Some of them, alarmed, would call Mrs. Conway on the telephone and say, you can't let your babies play in those woods. There are poisonous snakes out there. Thirty years later, Mrs. Conway still finds their concern amusing and adorable. For heaven's sake, she says, my children always knew the difference between poisonous snakes and regular snakes. They did just fine out there. Briefly, the history of America goes like this. There was a frontier, and then there was no longer a frontier. It all happened rather quickly. There were Indians, then explorers, then settlers, then towns, then cities. 
Nobody was really paying attention until the moment the wilderness was officially tamed, at which point everybody wanted it back. Within the general spasm of nostalgia that ensued, Buffalo Bill's Wild West show, Frederick Remington's cowboy paintings, there came a very specific cultural panic, rooted in the question, what will become of our boys? The problem was that, while the classic European coming-of-age story generally featured a provincial boy who moved to the city and was transformed into a refined gentleman, the American tradition had evolved into the opposite. The American boy came of age by leaving civilization and striking out toward the hills. There he shed his cosmopolitan manners and became a robust and proficient man. Not a gentleman, mind you, but a man. This was a particular kind of man, this wilderness-bred American. He was no intellectual. He had no interest in study or reflection. He had, as de Tocqueville noticed...